Hey, hey, this is Pablo. Welcome back to another really cool conversation with somebody I met at PodMax. So this is one of those get to know you for the first time, but it's the structure of the usual podcast interview. And we are talking to Fergie Philippe, who is one of the stars of Hamilton on Broadway, which as you may or may not know, I'm kind of a sneaky Broadway nerd. So I'm super pumped to talk to him. But more than anything, I loved talking to him about the value of art school education, because I think it's really, really underrated, and he's got a really good take on it, and he just launched the podcast that reviews The Muppet Show, and my sister was a huge fan of The Muppets growing up, so I, I watched a lot of Muppets, and I just think it's awesome, so really fascinating conversation with Fergie about creativity, whether it being an artist, being an entrepreneur, and a bunch of other stuff you're gonna really enjoy, so let's go. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way, and in that, I can learn from him. This means every single person you've ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person, and therefore has something to teach you, and you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every room full of people you walk into is both a library and your stage. And the better you get at getting to know people, the value they each inherently bring, and how to share it with others, the greater the impact you can make on the world. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I've created a system called the Relationship Flywheel, designed to create impact through relationships at scale. And this podcast is a living document of how to do it. So hit subscribe right now. If you want to learn how to get to know people, get them to know you, and build a world-class network. Some episodes will be interviews, some episodes will be regular calls with people building rapport, and some will be tactical advice to teach you how to build your own relationship flywheel and achieve anything you want. Now smash that subscribe button and let's get connected. Welcome to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast. I'm your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, and we are back at PodMax where I get to meet super fascinating people. And right now is absolutely no exception to that rule. He is a Broadway star from the original cast of Hamilton. He is the podcaster of The Muppet Show. What do you, the recap podcast? Is that what that's called? Yeah, man? it's time to meet the Muppets. Recap of The Muppet Show recap podcast. I love it. It's time to meet the Muppets. I'm, I can't wait to nerd out about that. He is a puppeteer himself, a creative, a Miami native like your boy, Fergie Philippe. The proud son of Haiti, right? Like, is it from Haiti yes, that your parents are from, That's man? Right. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Welcome to the show, Ferg. What's up, man? Hey, thank you. Just, just, to, just to make it out there, because Hamilton fans will absolutely shoot me if I don't say it. I actually wasn't in the original cast, but I am in the current Broadway cast. In the current Broadway cast, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I am not gonna throw away my shot at bringing that piece up. Um, <laughs> there you go, Fergie, man. I, I kind of told you about this before, right? But my, my, my podcast is all about connecting people to amazing people. And I think that the two quickest ways to connect is adding value to someone's life, which we're going to do through our conversation here. Mm -hmm. And the other, the other quick tool for connection is to share a vulnerability with somebody, right? Because if they see, if they see their struggle and your struggle, they, they, they get to know you as a human before they find out about all the awesome stuff you did. So I ask all my guests to to share something either you're struggling with right now or something you've struggled with recently that we can all kind of connect with. 
Yeah, man. Two days ago was my father's 71st birthday. Uh, he has not been with us for the past almost nine years. I lost him when I was very young. And, you know, for anybody who struggled with grief, it's an ongoing process. It is an ongoing understanding and an ongoing, what's the term? Not surgery, but your con decipher. It's an ongoing, you know, deciphering of ideas and feelings and emotions and memories and also reframing the way you might have interpreted things because you were so emotional when you lost what you lost. You know, it's it's so many different things. And so it's, it's something I struggle with every day. And it's something I, I'm still wrapping my head around and still something that, you know, redefines how I walk through the earth and how I, you know, how I relate to my family members, how I relate to my friends, how I relate to intimate and romantic relationships. It, it informs almost everything about me. So yeah, so it's an active struggle, maybe not in a way that is visible or in a way that is, you know, completely tangible all the time, but it's, it's something that's always being worked on. I'm with you, man. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. I, I lost my brother six years ago and mm. that, that is what has set me on the path that I'm on today, right? Like I, I and I didn't realize that till about two years ago. That that his his influence on my life is, and his passing and the lessons learned therefrom, are right. why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. And it reminds me of something somebody said at a, at a celebration of life at one point, where he said that in the in the deepest moments of pain come the greatest clarity, right? Like, and I think that makes a lot of sense, right? And I ask you in that light, I ask you kind of what is, what was the clarity that you gained or that are gaining right now that you didn't see before when your father was around that now allows you to keep him with you because you've gained this perspective? Is there any profound lessons? You know, I think I'm sure you'd understand this, you know, coming co Miami is such a hodgepodge and a melting pot of different cultures and ideas, but it's also a group of people trying to assimilate into American culture. And if you are of an older generation, your resistance to assimilation is probably greater than if you're in a younger generation. And so there were times where we we would butt heads because I was very much wanting to assimilate. But my father was so proud of who he was. My pro my father was so proud of where he came from. I mean, it's one of the things I love about him the most. He never once allowed other people's perceptions, other people's projections to ever influence the way he felt about himself or the way he felt about his country or the way he felt about anything involving him. And I'm directly opposite that. It's very easy for other people's perceptions to kind of shift and cause me to change things. And I think that that caused our heads to kind of bash sometimes. But but what I'm realizing more and more now is that I'm actually so much like my father in that same way that I'm so proud of where I come from and who I am and the things that make me who I am that other people's projections and perceptions and false identifications of me inspire me to, to move forward even more headstrong in the way that I already am. And, and every year as I get older, I realize that more and more the way I realize so much about how much I'm like my father every year in a way that sometimes freaks me out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that, man. Yeah. I like I like the reframing of the idea that it's not that your father I mean it is right your father was part of part of his Haitian heritage mm -hmm. and it's not that you're not that you're more like your father than you imagine because while it's not that you're driving from 
just being Haitian or not. It is right. the idea that being proud of where you come from is mm-hmm. is is the sense of pride, and that can go yep. across context, right? So, like, yeah. you guys are driving th- from different places because you both come from slightly different places because everybody comes from a different place, mm-hmm. but that pride of sense of origin is still there, man. That's beautiful. Yeah, exactly that, dude. I find I instantly find myself connected to you, right? Like this is a clear vulnerability leads to connection, right? Yeah. From from this story, I'm the same, right? I'm the most American person in my family by a mile, right? Like <laughs> 17 Venezuelan cousins. I'm the youngest of my f- nuclear family, so uh-huh. I'm I'm the, I'm the I'm the gringo, right? Even though I feel very very American, and even though I feel very very Hispanic and very Venezuelan, I feel very mm-hmm. Miamian, dude, right? Like I, I don't yeah, think there's anywhere yeah, else that you exactly. can go exactly. That, that replicates the perfect mixture of where we're from and people see my name Pablo and they see that I'm white and they're like, well, but you don't look Mexican, you know, like that type of crap. Yeah. So, so, so that being said, man, I think that you and I were kids of, our kids of immigrant parents that mm-hmm. had very clear expectations of us, of likely greatness, right? Your, your parents were doctors, right? My dad was yep. an executive that came over here. And we took very divergent paths in the sense that I showed a propensity for performing arts early in my life. And my my parents decided to take the take the approach of that's not what you're here for. You're here to be an executive. We want you to do this. You're not gonna be, yes, you just got Leroy and fame and in and, and, and freshman year of your of high school and and that's extraordinary, but you're not allowed to do drama anymore. Whereas you said that your parents enabled your creative ability all the way to all the way to the point where you you went to New World, the, the New World School of Arts, which is a, a a really legendary art school in Miami. And and I would love to hear from your perspective what the I think it's clear the benefit of your parent enabling your greatness no matter what it is. Yeah. But I but I would love to hear, I would love to dispel some myths around this idea that going to a creative school is for hippies or whatever, right? Like what are, what are the, the core skills yeah. that you got that you built up by going to a place that really makes your creativity flourish. I would love for you to reflect on that if you could. It's so interesting you say that because not to call her out, but me and my girlfriend actually kind of talk about this all the time because she she wanted to go to performing arts school, but she ended up not going to because her parents were like, I don't think that's a really good choice for you. And for me, what I always and she always says that was the best option for her because, you know, it taught her discipline, it taught her focus, and it really taught her taught her to value education and yada yada. And I was like, what's interesting is that me going to performing arts school gave me all those exact same things. You know, I learned discipline and focus by going to a performing arts high school. You know, when when I was in middle school and high school, I had a really hard time making friends. I was bullied a lot and it was hard for me to socially adapt at the same time because of that. I was not really focused on my schoolwork and, you know, I, I wasn't a failing student, but I wasn't a great student. And part of that was because I wasn't, I didn't have anything that gave me any kind of purpose or and, and, and made made me become disciplined. And it wasn't until I started going to New World where, you know, it's not drama club. You know, New World School of the Arts is a conservatory program. You are a high schooler taking college level arts courses. And so you were treated like a college student at 14. So if you missed a class or if you missed an assignment, that is a zero. And there is no like, oh, well, maybe if we no, you got that grade. It's it's the real world the moment you walk in. And I had to learn that very, very quickly. And so, for you know. 
with that understanding, you know, both of my parents got their doctorates in podiatry. My mom went into pediatrics. My dad tried podiatry for a minute, but then, you know, dropped out of the medical business, ended up running a refugee center. He was a car mechanic for some time. He also did computer technicians. He was a radio show host. Like he did all of these different things. So both of my parents are people who are very driven and very like, you know, we're, we're making it happen. And so for me, it was always kind of scary that I was like, yeah, I want to go do th- theater i want to go do, i want to go be on stage but the the thing that is marvelous is that my parents were like you can do whatever you want what are you doing to get it yeah what is your focus what is your drive how are you working every day to make sure that you're on it you know what i mean like i would tell my parents like yeah i have this monologue due are you rehearsing your monologue are you blah, blah. like it, it everything you took seriously even if what you wanted to do was fun even if one, what you wanted to do was your passion you're not uh, exempt from doing the work behind it. And it was always about the work with my parents. It was like, are you doing the work? Are you making sure that you are on top of what you need to do so that you can get the most out of the experience that you set up for yourself, that you decided you wanted to do? And I think that constant reframing of, are you doing what you need to do always put the onus on me. And because of that, it inspired me to always make sure that I was doing what I needed to do. I love that, man. I, I, I so I so love that. And that's really succinctly and very well put of this. You know, it's no different than a 16-year-old going off to play for the Development League of Barcelona, right? Like, go, yeah. you know, like, go go compete, you know, right. like go be accountable right. as early as possible. Learn mm-hmm. hardship. Learn learn that you're not the most talented person in every room, right? Like, yes, get on exactly. it. Yes, exactly. And, you know? and learning not to only rely on that, even if you are, you know what I mean? And I, yeah. and I think that's the great thing about New World is that New World's like, yeah, you're talented. That's why you're here. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You're not here because you're talented. You're here because you're here to grow. You're here to learn. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that constant reframing of you can't just rely on what you naturally bring. You need to put work behind it and effort behind it is so important. And, if, and without it, I wouldn't be doing anything I'm doing right now. Dude. I can tell you that you are very fortunate to have been put in that early, right? For me, for me, this whole like can't sleep on my talent thing is something that I've had to learn in the last four years. Right? Mm. Like it's really, mm. it's again, back to my, you know, back to my brother's passing and designing my own life. And, and I've, I've, I've had to, I've had to put myself through hardship because I reached a certain level professionally where I'm like, I continue to follow up. I feel like I'm leaving them a lot of meat on the bone, but I'm talented enough to do this, but I'm not really fulfilled, right? Like, right. so it, it had to be this, the last three, four years have been a big period of growth in my life because I've dedicated myself to just putting myself in discomfort and having to and having to go through that putting in the work piece in order to differentiate myself kind of thing, man. So it really, really speaks to me. Let me ask something, dude. Do you, as a where you're at in your career and as a creative, as an artist, you're a podcaster, you're an actor, you know, a Broadway mm-hmm. star. Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think I do in the term, in, in the sense that I'm always looking for opportunities and I'm always looking for opportunities to build wealth in multiple areas of my life. I'm an entrepreneur for experience and I'm an entrepreneur for connection. I think that and I have my own production company that, you know, is is helping produce an old it helped produce an old podcast I did that only ran two episodes. I create my own content, I write my own scripts and things like that. But part of the reason that I haven't been actively doing things with the production company is because I'm I'm not wanting to do this alone. I'm not wanting to do this from a sea of one. I want a team. I want an army. 
I want a group of people that are going to help me build and I can help them build. And so right now I'm so focused on reaching out and finding people and just hanging with people and just getting to know who they are. What are they looking to do? Is there any way that I can contribute to you getting successful? And I think that is sometimes hard because I think sometimes it can seem phony or it can seem not real that there are people that actually want to help others build and succeed. But things like PodMax are actually really wonderful because it seems like a group of people who genuinely want to help each other build and help each other grow. And and so, you know, in that way, I, I do think I'm an entrepreneur and I'm hoping to see within the next five to 10 years how I can eventually shift that into how does that transfer fiscally? And how can I use that to help others transfer that stuff fiscally? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a couple of things, man. I very much echo with what you're saying, right? Like I'm, I'm the guy that shows up, like I'm ready to be your best friend. Cause I genuinely love everybody <laughs> I meet and it weirds some people out. Right. But it, it, yeah. it, it, it usually lands better than, than worse. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, yeah. 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 And, Same here. And I think, I think you're on the right path, man. You're, you know, if you don't, if you don't know what your purpose yet is then find your people and then you'll find your purpose within those. Right. People. Right. So exactly. that being said, you are an entrepreneur, right? Like the, the fact that you kill your own dinner and cook it yourself makes you an entrepreneur, right? Like nobody, nobody's out there giving you a W2 and you have multiple streams of income and you really are that. So that took me a while to understand as well, right? Like this idea that like, yeah, I'm a W2 guy, but I've always had side hustles and I've always, you know, kind of like right. chased it and I do my own things and, and, and whatever and identifying right. as not just a dude with talent that can get it, but as an entrepreneur that's creating something. At the end of the day, entrepreneurship is creating something that that builds income in any way. It doesn't. There's no like dollar amount that needs to that it needs to satisfy, right? So right. I would love to flip the look at the other side of the coin of art school, right? Because when I I'm a really grateful dude, man. Like I, I I know that I said that as like I wasn't empowered. Like now I find my power in. I rely on my performing arts natural abilities mm-hmm. and I am bridging the gap between the world of business that I have been in for the last 15 years sure. and I have never leaned into my theatricality and now that I'm bringing it together, there's tons of opportunity, right? I would love to ask you what the other side of the coin is. What do you feel as you see yourself as a professional, as a business builder and an entrepreneur, what about going to art school do you think you're missing because of because of that aspect or is there anything that you're missing from that regard yeah one, there, there's so much and i think the one thing that i realized especially after i left college because i went from a conservatory style high school into a liberal arts program mm. being in the liberal arts program i was like holy wow I am so glad I went here because I'm in a philosophy class. I'm in a poverty class. I'm in a social justice class. I'm in a religion class. I'm learning about all these different things. I'm in an anthropology class. I'm learning about all of these different things and I'm taking all this info and I'm, I know I'm going to be doing something with this later. And the, the flip verse where I do give my girlfriend credit where she's a little bit wary of performing arts high schools is where I'm like, yeah, there is a little bit of a lean in and mm, you'll figure it out. There's a little bit of like, it'll come when it comes and not as much strategic planning, not as much structure. And I think that that is where I lack in anything. I'm very bad about structure and I'm very bad about strategy. And I have to work really, really hard to get that for myself. And I think that 
that's what's missing from a lot of art students in general and where a lot of art students find themselves going crazy is that we all lack structure. And part of it's because we go into the arts because we don't want structure. <laughs> we, yeah. we go into the arts because we don't really like any kind of rigid plan. But there is a freedom in a soft structure. And I think the more people realize that, the more they will be able to get the most bang out of their buck. And I really pray that more artistic programs invest in that idea. I love it, man. Yeah, it's the whole like discipline equals freedom thing, right? Like there. Yes. That's that's like, it's funny, dude, because I. This is the year of discipline for me, right? And and mm-hmm. and it's this is the year of discipline for me because this is the first year that I really believe that I'm going to achieve everything that I had of expectations of myself and people have had of me before because it's all coming yeah. together and it's irrefutable and I know to to take it to the next level what I need is that discipline piece in order to go beyond this just like talent that's here. Right. And, and the people that I have around me, right. Like how to, how do you get everybody to cooperate together is, is discipline is needed within all of that. That being said, I have found that on the strategy piece, right? Like I am, I didn't consider myself creative. I would not self-identify as creative until about like three, four years ago, maybe. Mm. Okay. And when I started being vocal about that, people were like, what are you talking about? You're like the most creative dude I know, right? So like, uh-huh. it's one of these things. And I would tell you that if you were to reframe your idea around strategy from uh-huh. how do I strategize making money to how do I strategize likability, performance, story, yeah. you know, visual, whatever, delivery of message, you're right. going to find that you're a much better strategist than you think. You've just only been using it in this one part of what you Okay. Do. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that completely. And that's so much of what I'm actually going through mentally right now as I as I you know, I'm three years into therapy and you know, everything that we talk about is just reframing. Reframing it. You think it's this, but it's it's probably this other thing. You know, it's not that you're missing anything, it's just that you haven't been using it in this way. <laughs> and and so yeah, I, I totally hear that. And I'm definitely gonna start really examining that within myself. Thank you for that. Yeah, 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 man. Listen, I'm just speaking from experience, right? Like, it, yeah. you know, for, for me, it was like, I'll never forget this interview. Like, I'm watching like Zach Galifianakis. I, I might have read it or I saw it. I don't remember. Uh-huh. But I remember him saying something along the lines of like, all I've ever given a shit about is being funny. So there's nothing else I could have done, right? And I'm like, and I'm like, well, fuck, man. All I give a shit about is making friends. But how can I, how can I, I can't, there is no like friend actor, <laughs> right? So, right. <laughs> So it just became this, it became this journey of the first thing I tell people that the, I, you know, the key to true happiness is number one, understanding what you're great at that you love doing. Right. The next step is how do you use that for service as opposed to for your own gain? Right. So like me going from like, I know how to get attention to me going like, Oh, I know how to make you cool in a, in a social setting. You know, that was like the first flip. And then it was, how do you monetize that? that superpower in a genuine way. Right. So it's like, yeah. no, I don't want to charge for introductions. No, I don't want to like have a mastermind group that people have to pay me to hang out with me. I had to figure out a way to create this like hype man kind of company where I'm like a content marketer for people and I create stages for people. And then once I figured that out, then I was like, Duh. now it's not, now it's discipline time. Cause now it's scale time. Cause right. I, I know what drives it. Right. Like I know how to create success for financial success for other people using my superpower. Right. And I, and I tell you all that to tell you that the first step, was thinking strategically about how I make myself cool and how I can serve that for other, right? Like, like it was mm-hmm. thinking about 
what are networking strategies that I can speak about, that I can identify patterns that I have used in a way that makes me likable so that now other people can use it, right? So I'm not trying to talk about myself as much as like reflecting on like tools that might connect right. thoughts for you of like going yeah. from your creative skill set to going from to this like business builder skill set. Dude, I really appreciate that. And that and again, going back to this idea of reframe and this idea of, you know, how do you connect the dots instead of going from point A to point B, how can you connect that from point A to point D? Like how does that transfer and does it transfer in the same way? And even if it does change, it probably doesn't change as much as you think. You mm-hmm. know, you're still using all of the 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 same mechanics. You just have to turn the gears in a different way. Totally, dude. Totally. Man, you're speaking so much to like where my headspace has been, man. Like I you know what I what I've realized recently in like stepping into my stepping into my own mm-hmm. is this idea that I've always been cool with these expectations of greatness. Yeah. I just have I just wasn't cool with the path that was told that I had to take to get there. Yeah. 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 Right? yeah, yeah. So again, it's like it's it's it is point A to point B, but don't prescribe the path, right? Like just understand yes. that it just give me give me the North Star. Let me reverse engineer. You know, mm-hmm. like so getting clear on that is huge. Yeah. I hear that completely. Awesome, man. Awesome, dude. This is awesome. Dude, I, well, all right. I want to talk about the Muppet show, bro. <laughs> yeah, dude. So, so I grew up, I grew up, my sister was like a huge Muppet fan, right? Like yeah. my sister's four years older than me. She was a huge Muppet uh-huh. fan. I literally two days ago just turned it on on Disney Plus. I was like, you know what, man? I'm going to fucking watch this. And it's um, like the, the um, remembering what entertainment can be, what pure entertainment and joy can be has been yes. my experience. Tell me about, tell me about what you see in them. Like, tell me what you're doing. Tell me how you decided to start this Muppet show podcast. Like, tell me all about it. So, so uh, the first thing I got to say is that, that my foundation in anything creative is Muppets. Every, everything Jim Henson created, Fraggle Rock, Sesame Street, Muppets, like all of that is my foundation creatively. It's where I discovered, wow, I actually want to perform. Wow, I actually want to, you know, put on shows and things like that. And over the, I kind of got into puppetry and then over the years kind of got out of it, got into theater and stuff. But when, in a brief history lesson, 2006 through 2008, they released the first three seasons of The Muppet Show on DVD, and Disney said they were going to release the next two, and we never heard anything about it for like 12 years because of all these music copyrights and stuff. So Muppet fans all over have been craving for the entire Muppet Show to come out, and so when they announced almost a month, over a month ago that they were going to release it all on Disney+, Plus, I lost my mind. It was the, It was the craziest thing I could have ever heard. And I was like, man, it would be, I would love to pair the show with a podcast so that I could like watch it maybe at night. And then the next morning on the way to work, I could like listen to it. And I was like, I have to do it. (laughs) And it wasn't, and it wasn't a matter of like, I should, it was like, dang it. I have to do it. (laughs) It was like, I know I need to do this. And so I, I started talking to people and people were like, yes absolutely like let's let's make it happen so i called a bunch of friends to make it happen and 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 i'm making it happen so every episode we take we talk one episode from chronological order and chronological meaning the order that's shown on disney plus which is not necessarily shooting production date but that's another story but you know we go in order from season one through season five and i just recap and i just watch the show 
I talk about some of my favorite things. I remember fun facts that I remember from like 10 years ago and from all my life. And I share them with you all. I do some history research and I tell them about the history of how the Muppet Show was made, how characters are made, certain performers and how they got to the Muppets and things like that. And it's literally just like 45 minutes to an hour of me just talking about Muppets. That's all it is. <laughs> Whether like it's something I thought was funny, something I thought was heartwarming, something I thought was weird and cool. That's all it is. And it, it, Everything you just said about what the Muppets are is exactly what they are to me. Like, they are pure escapism. They are pure entertainment, pure joy, and they are purity. They are pure of heart. And it's something that I touch upon with the Muppets all the time is that, you know, it's 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 not to be like, back in my day, but but there's there's not a lot of TV shows that really reach purity in the way the Muppets do. Everything is so well-intentioned and everything is so coming from a place of, I just want to make people happy. I want to make the world a better place through laughter and joy and music. And, and it's so simple, but it's so effective and it's, it's what makes the Muppets incredible. It is incredible, man. I'm just going to throw it out there. You just described entrepreneurship. You saw a need in the world and <laughs> yeah. you created a vehicle to solve the need. Mm. Dude, where where to begin with this? Totally ag- I, I number one, as soon as you started talking Muppets, the the energy that that just changed in your voice and in your demeanor mm-hmm. just shook me at my core, right? Like like that. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. that is the what do you love doing that you have the chance to be better than anybody else in the world at, right? Like and I and I and I, and and I think that you're going to find, you know, it may not be the Muppets may not be the end destination of 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 what you're going to build your career on, but yeah. something that you're going to discover in the journey of putting out the word of the Muppets and commenting on the Muppets, I I would if I was a gambling man and I am, I would I would <laughs> come from that, man. So let's let's talk about Let's talk about the purity of it, man. So what do you what do you see what do you see in these shows that differentiates that you don't see in other shows? Like what is what what is that difference? Like not from a purity standpoint. Talk to me from uh-huh. from like a tactical and or strategy, right? Like you were somebody that has sure. studied theater and you studied these things. I know that mu- uh-huh. that puppeteering is a one part performing arts, one part stitchery, right? Like it's like it uh-huh. has to, yeah. it has to do with that. So tell me a little bit about that. Right. Well, that's that's one of the things that makes the show so or that makes the the franchise of the Muppets and Jim Henson's work so brilliant to me because it is multifaceted from multiple disciplines. You have the performance aspect that involves acting, that involves singing, that involves dancing. You also have the analytical side that involves how you perform the puppets because you have to perform on a monitor and you have to perform technique based. So for those who might not know, when it comes to performing Muppets, you have to make sure that when you're having your mouth, you're only a mouth, meaning your hand that performs the mouth of the puppet, you're only dropping the thumb. And that's the only way that it works. Because if I start doing this, you're not really making eye contact. But the whole point is to keep the eye emotionally still and staying in the camera so that when the only the bottom jaw drops, it resembles human emotion. Mm. on top of that you're watching it through a monitor because that's the way you have to angle because that's the way it's going to show up on tv so you're watching the actual television performance and you have to watch it from there in order to get it technically proficient and for me the amount of work care effort and precision that is required in all of that automatically makes it for me 
miles above any other TV show. In addition to that, the writing on the show is so smart because even though you have all of that into consideration, what makes the share what makes the show so good are the characters. And the characters are so well defined. You know exactly who they are. You know exactly what they bring up in you. When somebody says Miss Piggy, everybody laughs because everybody knows exactly who Miss Piggy is. Fozzie Bear, you know exactly the kind of person that is. Kermit the Frog, you know, Floyd Pepper, Animal. When you think of Animal or Cookie Monster, you, you there is a guttural, vital, like, sensation in you that is that is animalistic, and you automatically know what that is. That ability to be able to write and perform and create characters that immediately do that is something that you can't touch anywhere else. And it's so easy for, for me included, for people to write it off because it's children's TV or because it is, it's puppets. So it's automatically for like families, but there is genius artistry really happening underneath everything that is happening there. If people really knew what it took to film one episode of the Muppet show or one episode of Sesame street, it would blow their minds. It is so much work, but the result is truly unbelievable. So that's, that's just a little bit of what separates anything involving the Muppets from anything else. That was exactly what I wanted to do. That was awesome. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I agree. Right. Like I, it opened up my eyes. The first time that puppeteering opened up my eyes was when I saw it wasn't Avenue Q, but it was another show by the guys that made Avenue Q on Broadway. Okay. And yeah. cause it came, cause it came to the art center. Right. I don't remember okay. what show it was. Yeah. And, and then it was, Dude, watching Dark Crystal on Netflix, a new Dark Crystal series, the and then the making yes. of Dark Crystal on Netflix, oh, in my fucking mind, right? Like, yeah, it, you know, the this idea that it's one part performing arts, one part industrial engineering, right? Like the like the processes that that you need to that you need to create, and then and then yep. what you just described of the characters, that's branding at its highest level, right? Exactly. Like the, the idea yep. that you think of a name and you think of an image and you think of a guttural reaction, that's branding, dude. So yeah, it is this multidisciplinary amalgamation that is that is very unique, man. It's fascinating. Yeah, I think it's 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 part of the reason that it immediately draws me to want to do anything involving that because if you want to talk about what's the quickest way to human connection, I mean, get them a character that's connecting them to their childhood. Immediately, you will find anytime somebody says something about Big Bird, oh, Big Bird, everybody immediately melts into a six year old because you remember what Big Bird made you feel when you were a kid. And so, exactly what you said, it's exactly branding. It's, it's, it's like marketing 101. <laughs> like that, that, that exact idea is just like, boom, you immediately think of it and you immediately feel something. And that's what it's all founded on with the Muppets. And I, I love that. I love how much it's about, how do we make humans feel something? Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's what I'm there for. Dude, the, the ability to make a hand inside a piece of cloth, make you feel like you are seeing a living being that's emotive and has a character is, is another, is another level of skill set, man. What is, what's your favorite childhood character in general? In general, I mean, I mean, the character that immediately when I see here or even think about it is, you know, it it's Elmo, but it's also Bear from Bear in the Big Blue House, which was a show that was on Playhouse Disney or Disney Channel, kind of the late 90s, early 2000s. And part of the reason for that is because you have all of these different children's media that's about ABCs, one, two, threes, you know, how to cross the street, you know, how to share your toys and things like that. But, but Bear in the Big Blue House was about 
how do you emotionally respond to situations that might cause you stress, that mm. might cause you fear, that might cause you worry? There was such emotional intelligence happening within Bear in the Big Blue House. And it was broken down in a way that no other children's show had really done before. And to me, whenever I think of Bear, I really feel safe. I really feel comforted because Bear was one of the first Muppets created to resemble an adult an adult, a warm adult figure. And and Bear was a father for so many children growing up. And, you know, those that's that's a connection that I think is very important. There, you know, my my friend Noel, who played Bear, tells me all the time, one of the craziest things about Bear for him was that how many kids who are on the autism spectrum or who were not neurodivergent would reach out saying, Bear gives me comfort. Bear is exactly who I need when I'm when I need to feel comforted. And he was like, I never even connected those dots. But it was basically because of the way we were writing about emotional intelligence and the way that we were talking about how the characters teach you how to process, adjust, and act upon your emotions or act separate from your emotions from such a critical young age really made a profound effect on people. And so when I think of Bear, I think of that immediately because I think that's part of the reason I'm so emotionally in touch with myself. Man, that's fascinating. I, so there's been there's been books written on Sesame Street and Blue's Clues, mm. right? Like I've like I've like I've read, you know, Freakonomics talks about like the behavioral economics yeah. of Sesame Street and Blue's Clues and stuff like that. I'd never heard this story of Bear in the Big Blue House. Is there is there yeah. any kind of chronicle or any any is there anywhere to deep dive into like the psychology and the strategy of what Bear in the Big Blue House did? There's probably articles out there on it, but if there's one thing I can tell you is that there's a great YouTube channel that actually delves into a lot of early children's television stuff called Defunct Land, D-E-F-U-N-C-T-L-A-N-D, Defunct Land TV. And they kind of go through deep dives of a lot of TV shows. Another TV show that did a really good job with this was The Big Comfy Couch. And those, he, Defunct Land TV does two little YouTube videos on that, and they kind of go through how the psychology of both of those shows work and how they helped affect kids. But otherwise I think there's some articles out there on it. Sounds like uh, another need that's out there in the world that somebody needs to take up the mantle, man. The, the, hey, man. the oral history of bear in the big blue house as a, as a book, <laughs> as a branding yeah. strategy, as a storytelling. Dude, 100%. Absolutely. You know? I, think I think that that's so. real, man. I think that that's real. All right, bro. You ready for the lightning round? Bam, 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 bam. Yes, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> what is your favorite restaurant? Where is it and what do you order there? My favorite restaurant is in Burlington, North Carolina, where I went to school, Elon. It is The Root. My favorite thing that I get there is the island chicken sandwich and, with truffle fries and probably a cherry cheer wine. All right. That sounds yummy. Uh, what is the What content are you most into right now? What are you consuming the most of, be it podcast, book, show? I'm assuming it's a Muppet show, but you know, like what- It's Muppet what, show. Yeah. Like what, <laughs> what content is television. your opinions? Huh? Children's television, children's media. I'm getting into writing children's media. And so I'm absorbing a lot of old and new children's media right now. So PBS and Playhouse Disney and Nick Jr. Interesting, dude. I man, as you're speaking, I see such an opportunity for you to be the consultant of corporations that can strategize their communication and their culture building based on stuff that we all grew up mm. being manipulated. But not manipulated. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, but yeah, 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 yeah. Being emotionally informed by such 100%. a space, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, man. That's cool. All right. 
What is something that you were sure about in your 20s that you no longer believe? I was sure that I was the, that I was sure that I was not enough to achieve certain things that I'm currently achieving right now. Mm. Mm. All right. Awesome. Man. What is, what's your go-to piece of advice? Either the favorite one that you've ever gotten or the one that you often tell people. Start redefining and reframing what the idea of success means to you. <laughs> Holy shit. It was this whole podcast. All right. right yeah, on. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, man. Fergie, I'm about to I'm about to ask you the last question, but first promote whatever you want to promote. Like, tell us about the podcast. Tell us, send people where they where they can connect with you. Tell me, tell me, tell me how to connect with you, man. If you want to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, you can follow me at Fergsters95, F-E-R-G-S-T-E-R-S-95. You can also check out my podcast. It's time to meet them up. It's coming to wherever you get your podcasts very soon. But if you want to head over to my personal page on Instagram and Twitter, I will be updating everybody on that. You'll also see all my puppet stuff. You'll see all of my writing stuff, all of my Hamilton stuff. Everything you need to know about Fergie will be right there. Yeah, that's it. Super in, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm about to follow you. Like, all right. Last question is, where do you find community? Ooh, that's a good question. I find community wherever people want to engage in discussion Mm. and that's everywhere i find community in many 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 places and when i say discussion i mean true open discussion love it man i love it that's a that's a unique way to answer it right like most people will say what the vehicle is as opposed Mm -hmm. to what they seek within the vehicle like you you know you interesting you defined it as the, you know, like as what the glue as opposed to like the glue container, right? Like that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how I see it. It's more about what are you offering more than what are we doing it around? Mm. So something that I'm getting really nerdy about is the subject and discipline of category design. And you're hitting right mm. at the nerve of all that, man. So interesting. I'm going to, you and I are, Thank you for being on this podcast, man. Like you and you and I are going to be friends, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, obviously, only if you like it, right? But but, dude, this has been this has been an amazing conversation, man. Like, I'm really, really yeah. grateful that we got paired together. I've always been like a sneaky big Broadway fan. Yeah. So you know, coming to this, I was like, oh, cool, I got to nerd out about Broadway. Maybe I'm going to talk about Mary Poppins at the Art Center. But like, what this right. what this all led to is way more profound than that, man. And I feel like we really, really connected, and I'm really pumped to to hopefully be an ally in your journey, man. I hope to, I hope to add value as you you move along this space, man. Dude, I'm so thankful. Thank you for having me on. I'm so glad we got to talk to, we'll be, we'll definitely be in contact. You've given me so much more than you ever could have imagined. So thank you for that, brother. Plenty more to come, man. Just reach out. Appreciate it, man. The key to building your relationship flywheel will rely in your ability to design and build your own stage where you can have conversations with people, getting to know them, understanding their value, and sharing it to the world. This is the service that I offer, and I offer it to $100 million companies where we're setting record-breaking sales goals with it. If you want to know more about that, go to connectwithpablo.com. If you're just an individual that wants to build it, subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my email list on my website because coming soon is a community where I'm going to teach this to you personally. Go to connectwithpablo.com.